Attention, armchair quarterbacks and shower thought GMs. It's time for this week's episode of Sports Ball with Mike Meharry and Alan Mosley. So, by I have an important phone call, you and I need to go to Sports Ball, right? Yeah, I know. I said you had actually texted me something about where to fit a segment, and since my phone had buzzed, I said, "Oh, I gotta take this," and then I just left work. Nice. Welcome back to Sports Ball for episode 13. I am your host, Alan Mosley, joined as always by my co-host, and maybe not as grumpy this week, but we'll see, Mike Meharry. Mike, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm relatively ungrumpy, even after braving the way too peoply grocery store a few minutes ago. Well, you now you just said, but you're done with your grocery shopping, right? Well, yeah, until Thanksgiving, after Thanksgiving. I've got everything until I need after for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, yes. Okay, because because that's really important, because I, I don't know about you, but we're, we're recording this on Tuesday the 20th for people at home who don't realize that this isn't actually a live documentary. Wait, it's not? Uh, yeah, this is actually – we're actually in your car right now it's as you're not. driving. That's, that's right. I, I can't imagine I'll leave my house again until everyone else goes home after Friday. Yeah, I think that's wise. Yeah. So, Mike, what do you remember from last week without actually looking? I miss defense in the NFL. No, you don't. It's so much it's so much more exciting. What no, I and, and maybe this is just a function of the fact that I'm old and I'm old school. But, you know, I loved those Pittsburgh Steeler steel curtains and the purple people eaters. And of course, my beloved Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, the 85 Chicago Bears. Love that kind of football. Now you can't play defense anymore. You can't hit anybody. You can't touch a receiver. Even the good defenses give up huge chunks of yardage. Average quarterbacks are putting up Hall of Fame numbers. And I'll be honest with you, I find it boring. So I was actually having a, a an inane Facebook debate with some people who were trying to argue that there's not that much more offense in the NFL now. Here's some stats that just make my point. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have played the bulk of their games with a washed-up perennial backup quarterback, and they're the third-leading team in the NFL in yardage. There are three teams averaging over 30 points per game. There are 12 teams that average over 25 points per game. You have to go all the way down to the 29th-ranked offense, which is your New York Jets, before you find a team averaging under 300 yards per game, and the Jets are at 299. (laughs) <laughs> we have wow. the top-ranked defense is giving up 300 yards per game. That's the Baltimore Ravens. So don't tell me that there's plenty of defense in today's NFL. There's no defense, and I find it boring. So, Well, what's funny, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was actually listening to ESPN uh, just the other day, which I shouldn't have been doing because they, ex- they, they don't have hot takes. It's really more like lukewarm takes. Really, if, like, you're, if you're listening to ESPN, you should be listening to sports ball. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And the, and and they were arguing on ESPN that with the league being the way it is, if you needed a new coach or staff, you should hire one that is offense oriented because there's just no point in getting a defensive oriented coach or staff because of the trend in the league. And and I actually thought, you know, I have the exact opposite feeling on that because I feel like if 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 the average team in the league can score above 20 points a game, you know, maybe a hair under 30 points a game, if the average team in the league is, is racking up 400 yards, then what you really need is a team that – is is plus one or two per week in the turnover margin and holds the opposing team to uh, field goals instead of touchdowns and punts instead of field goals, at least for two out of four quarters. And you're practically guaranteed to win the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm, am I wrong in saying that you're not supposed to just give up on defense? Well, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to be the NBA. This is true. Yeah, the NBA gave up on defense a long time ago, but I'm not sure if it was that teams gave up on defense so much as individual players gave up on defense and the players have just sort of the inmates are running the prison. Well, yeah, there that that may well be. So what do you remember from last week? This is this is the last week recap who dad edition. 
And so th- and oh. this goes out to our friend uh, Professor Robert Higgs, by the way, because did you know that – did you know Bob Higgs was a New Orleans fan? I did not. But he, I, he, I – you think... know, I'm a huge New Orleans fan now. <laughs> we're not, no, yes, no, yes. We're not. We're not even talking about that this week. I'm gonna. I'm throwing a flag. Unsportsmanlike conduct on Henry from bad bandwagon jumping. Fannery. Yes, bandwagon fannery. So this is the Who Dad edition. So so Bob, yeah, Bob Higgs is a Saints fan. I think it's because he's either originally from or lived for a while in uh, Louisiana. So he's a Saints fan. So that's legit. If you actually live there and you like the local team, then we'll we'll give you that. I was there last year. This year. I was there this year. Well, I mean, I was there this year, too, but I didn't just start being a Saints <laughs> fan because I walked into the city. But that being neither here nor there, uh, Drew Brees, who, by the way, is like he's, what, 70, 71 years old at this point? Yeah, he's almost as old as me. And and he's only like four foot six, which is particularly amazing that he's a, a starting NFL right. quarterback. Through 10 games, Brees is completing 76.9% of his passes. For 2964 yards and 25 touchdowns with one only one interception. Uh, that's 126.9 rating. Uh, just really quick to point out for people who are like, you're just throwing numbers at me, which means I disrespect you as a person. If you have a quarterback traditionally who completes two thirds of his passes, so 66.6%, you have a solid QB. Absolutely. He's at 76.9%. But here's the thing. Talking about the league and the direction, the rules, and, and, and personnel has gone, three of his top ten performances of his whole career have come in just the last six weeks. Yeah. The last season the Saints featured a nine-game winning streak, which they do right now, was in 2009, which is, oh, when they last won the Super Bowl. Oh, wow. So my sudden New Orleans fandom notwithstanding, I was watching uh, the game the other day. And, and just watching New Orleans shred the Philadelphia Eagles defense, which is ostensibly supposed to be a decent defense, right? Although I guess they're still on their uh, Super Bowl hangover, but whatever. Well, I was just about to say, I barely remember last year, but it seems like I heard somewhere they won the Super Bowl with right. that team. But, you know, in, in all seriousness, it's fun watching Drew Brees run that offense. Oh, yeah, for sure. So that's why I'm a New Orleans fan, by the way. Well, I mean, I'm I mean, I'm a Drew Brees fan. I like Drew Brees. You know, he's I mean, he's all he's only like one year younger than than Peyton Manning, because I remember uh, watching Peyton in college at UT and, and Brees was at Purdue. And, you know, that was th- those were among your top three, five quarterbacks in in the country who were racking up crazy yards. And you just kind of assume, well, I don't know where they'll go, but they're going to go to the NFL. And so Brees has been playing that that style of offense. He had those tools for a long time, but whereas maybe in a different era, you would see a guy like him start to slow down just because his physical skills would start to wane and it's a, and it's a physical league. It really isn't that way anymore. So now everyone's playing spread. Um, you're playing very college esque type offenses, uh, trying to constantly put the ball into the hand of playmakers in open space, constantly trying to stretch the field um, which, you know, on the one hand can potentially lead yourself to a lot of quick three and outs, you know, a, a la Jets and Bills. Or you get lots of high-powered playmakers like your uh, Kamaras and your Ingrams and your Drew Breeses, and all of a sudden you're scoring 50 points a game. So that's kind of where they are. But it is. It's definitely fun to watch him play. My, my hunch, I'm going to go ahead and go on record as this, ha- having no clue what's going to happen in the next six weeks. I think Drew Brees wins the NFL MVP. I know Mahomes at Kansas City has had an amazing year, and I think if you if you took the nameplates off of their stats, Mahomes would probably win. But I think there's going to be a lot of feel good votes that are going to go to Drew Brees. Yeah, I'll say another thing for Brees. He's a he's a decent human being too. You know, oh yeah, he does a lot for the community and you know Family Guy, all, the, all those kind of things you like to see in in somebody. Not oh, a, yeah, not a sure. cheater like some quarterbacks for some teams in New England. Yeah. No, he, you know, no, no matter what the air pressure is in Drew Brees' football, it's apparently it's going to go to Kamara for a, tor- a touchdown exactly. on fourth and seven in the fourth quarter. So that's all that matters. There you go. Uh, you know what? We might as well mention that real quick before we go on. Just just give just give me you can give me a full answer you want, but I'll just give or if you want a simple yes or no. If you're leading by 31 points in the fourth quarter and it's fourth and seven. 
is the call to throw an out route up the sideline to the end zone for like a 40 yard touchdown. Is that uh, a, a legitimate, uh, I see something in the defense I want to exploit, or is that running up the score? I don't believe in running up the score, or maybe I should say I do believe in running up the score. So yeah, I see something in the defense I want to exploit. Heck yeah, I'm going to exploit, especially in this day and age when you have teams like the Buccaneers coming back from three touchdowns, three touchdowns down. Yeah. I'm, I'm scores me points as I can. You you, st- you stop me if you don't like it. That is true. <laughs> I I will argue that while I have no problem with people running up the score, I would say that in the NFL, whereas yes, you could make the argument that they're pro players, so if you don't like it, stop them. On the other hand, I don't think I would leave my 39 year old quarterback on the field if he was up by 31. Because because if the one way to guarantee the Saints don't win the Super Bowl this year is for Breeze to break his arm. True. So anyway, let's th- thank you. Well, you, you know, this is this is like episode 13. So we've gotten all of our bad points out of our system at this <laughs> That's point. Right. And now we're only to our good points. Yes. So looking at a little bit of college football, um, there was a really interesting stat that I saw looking at looking at just AP ranked teams. Look, look at the number of top 50 wins for AP ranked teams. I've got this nifty little chart here that actually looks at top 10 wins, top 25 wins, and top 50 wins among the current AP top 25. And you, and you see some really interesting numbers because at this point in the season, what do you always hear? We're getting we've, – we've, we're, we're coming down to the final weeks of the year. Uh, it's rivalry week this week. Then you're going to have some conference championships. And inevitably, here in a couple of weeks, there's going to be a uh, top 25 college playoff selection show, and four teams are going to be moving on, and the other 21 teams are going to be saying, "But wait, what about my year?" And and without and there's there's going to be major conference champions who don't get in. Uh, maybe there'll be a conference that gets in too, although I, I kind of doubt it at this point. But either way, there's always going to be haves and have-nots, especially when you have a measly playoff of four teams. But I think an interesting stat to look at, because what's one thing you hear people complain about, is, well, who played who, right? What's their strength of schedule? Right. And so instead of relying on trying to numerically rank one through whatever, 128 of who has the strongest schedule, let's look at the number of wins each team has against a team ranked either top 10, top 25, or top 50. Now, obviously, Alabama is the number one ranked team in the country. They're undefeated. They've blown most people out, and some of their biggest contests have been particularly convincing victories. I don't think anybody at this point would argue that they shouldn't be number one, but just to drive that point home, Alabama has one top 10 win, four top 25 wins, and another four top 50 wins, so nine, nine of their 11 wins have been against at least relevant teams. You know, and I think that's that was I saw that and it popped out at me because I think there's this perception that Alabama hasn't played anybody. I mean, I heard people say that, uh, you know, as recently as a couple of weeks ago. And Mm -hmm. then you look at this stat and obviously they have played somebody. They played nine somebodies. Yeah, exactly. Well, you'll hear a lot of people say that, well, the SEC is overrated because it really it's just Alabama and then everybody else. But that's really unfair because it's true that it's Alabama and everybody else, but that shouldn't be a criticism of the rest of the SEC. That's a that's a compliment to Alabama, right? Right. Because on this on the same poll this week, here we are a week away from the end of the season. Of course, you have Alabama at number one. You have Georgia at five, LSU at eight, Florida at 13, Kentucky at 17, Mississippi State at 22. And, of course, Auburn has long since lost out of it at this point. Uh, but, I mean, the so the top 25 are littered with other SEC teams. And, and really quick, let's look at those. So Georgia, they don't have a top 10 win, which hurts them. And they are fifth. They're the first team out right now. Right. But four top 25 wins and five more top 50. So they don't have a top 10 win, but they have the exact same number of top 50 wins overall as Alabama does. So again, I, it's, I think it's a little much to say that the SEC is overrated. Right. And they also have uh, the, the, well, they're tied with, Alabama for the number of uh, most 25 top 25 yes. wins. Yes. Yes. I didn't say that very well, but I think you so know what I meant. There's there's a few of these that I want to point out in particular though because whereas you're going to have teams at the top and deservedly so who have played a lot of good teams, 
you're also going to have those teams in there where with with by looking at this chart, you think, oh, wait a minute. I'm not so sure. I'll give you one perfect example uh, towards the middle of the pack. Utah State. Utah State is 10 and 1, and they're currently leading the Mountain West. And the Mountain West has been a decent football conference more years than not. They might not have a true powerhouse team this year, but their top three or four teams are better than most middle of the road teams in a lot of major conferences. Utah State's 10 and 1. But hold on a second. They're ranked 14th with one more leak left in the season after this week. They have zero top 50 wins. Yes, they do. Now, that's harmful. Now, compare them to my Boise State Broncos, who are all the way down at 21st and actually trail Utah State by a game in the Mountain West. But they have a top 25 win and two other top 50 wins. Right. So which one of those is the pretender and which one of those is the true mid-major favorite? Well, if you're looking at this uh, dynamic, you got to go with the good old Boise State Bluefields. And and just because Mike Meharry's on the program with us, uh, another one that he he will he will revel in delight at, the uh, UCF Golden Knights are tied for eighth with LSU in this week's AP poll. So we'll really call them ninth because let's face it, they would pick LSU over UCF. Absolutely. UCF has zero top ten wins, zero top twenty five wins, and three top fifty wins. Yeah. So. Not as bad as some teams on this list, to be fair, but is pretty bad for a top 10 team. Sure. But then what's interesting to me, you know, I, I, that was the first thing I looked at, obviously, because I love to hate on UCF. I, I can't that's, believe you. I can't believe it. I, I have to confess. But then the second thing that, well, Alabama caught my eye first, but then the, the next thing that I noticed was Oklahoma, yes. which is there at number six and and. You still hear a lot of people talking about them seriously in the conversation, and they have zero top 10, zero top yes. 25, and three top 50. So arguably on the same level with UCF down at number eight. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up. It's going to be my next point is that am I sitting here saying today that if the season ended right this second that UCF should be in the top four? I'm not quite saying that. All I'm pointing out is is that there are absolutely major teams ranked ahead of them that may win their conference championship and according to the traditional press would argue that they are a fine candidate for the college football playoff. But as you've pointed out, Oklahoma has absolutely no better resume than UCF. That is purely tradition and tradition only. And I think a little bit of eye candy because people like watching that offense. It's a, it's a prolific offense. Yes. And then, of course, you, you have a few others. So West Virginia down at 12. They're probably too far out of it at this point to make waves in the playoffs. Now, now West Virginia, I believe, uh, it still has Oklahoma. And so that's going to be a huge game with, with you know, uh, bowl implications. But as of this ranking – being at 12th is probably too far out to climb into the top four without getting a lot of help. But they've been a good team. However, zero top 10 wins, one top 25, one top 50. So they don't even have as good of a resume as Boise State. Yeah, and then you look at my Florida Gators below yes. them at number 13 with one yes. top 10, two top 25s, and three top 50s. Yes. I also just want to point out, just for the heck of pointing it out, can you see number twenty three down there, Mike? Let's see. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to scroll. Oh, look! Army. Army. Army is ranked in the AP top twenty five. Which bravo! Hats off to them. Um, way more often than not, Army has not been competitive in, in modern college football. And in the annual Army-Navy games, Navy has beaten them like 18 million years in a row. But I think that's going to be changed this year because Navy's been pretty slim, whereas Army. Army has been a competitive team that, if you'll remember a few weeks back, almost beat Oklahoma in Norman, and they have a better resume than the number 14 Utah State. Yes, they do. So it's just interesting. That's, so this is a poll that actually gets updated weekly. When, it, when, the, when the college football uh, selection show comes along, we need to revisit this in its final form and really point light on the teams that kind of got screwed and the teams that got more help than they deserve. I think that'll be fun. 
I agree. Well, I'm glad you think it'll be fun. You know, if you, me, and Clay will like it. We're all about fun here on Sports Ball. Yes, exactly. And speaking of fun, while we're on the subject of the SEC being overrated and it being Alabama and everyone else, the segment I like to call SEC Least to SEC Beast. That's right. The SEC East has officially moved to 8-5 and five against the SEC West this season with one one game left to play between Eastern and Western foes. So no, so no matter what happens between now and the end of the year, the SEC East actually defeated the West in con- cross-conference play. So how about that? And that surprises now, me too. Yeah, that, that, now that surprises me as well. Of course, Alabama took care of business. No right. shocker there. Texas A&M did. They beat South Carolina and UK. So your your Wildcats couldn't beat A&M. So that that lost the East a game. Yeah. Uh, LSU was one and one. Uh, Mississippi State zero oh and two. Ole Miss zero oh and two. Probably the probably the reason why the West lost the series is is Auburn with a goose egg and two. Right. When Auburn loses to UT at home, that's a quick way for the West to lose its dominance over the East. Indeed. Just saying. And then you've got Arkansas down there with uh, 0 and 1, and they'll probably be 0 and 2 after they play Missouri, who's really better than I think a lot of people give them credit for. I agree. I think yeah. Well, Missouri is definitely one of those teams that uh, they don't really play a lot of defense, but if you score 50 points a game, it doesn't matter. Hi. So we'll, we'll we'll have to go back to last week's segment of who would win, the Buffalo Bills or the Missouri Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> I think we established that the Buffalo Bills would run away with that. I, I well, I mean they would they would slog away with that. Well, I don't. I'm that. not sure the Buffalo Bills run anywhere. That fair. Well, <laughs> well, the one guy ran out of the locker room in the middle of the game. There was that. You know, actually, he's proving to be the wisest Buffalo <laughs> yes, Bill of absolutely. them all. Absolutely. <laughs> he saw something nobody else could see. Oh man, so. Mike, I think it's your turn. I've talked enough. Well, I wanted to bring up something I found interesting. Uh, we talked a couple of episodes back about the NFL coaching carousel, and I mentioned the NHL coaching carousel, and I've got the perfect example of how uh, the carousel goes round and round in the world of hockey just like it does in the world of football. Just today, the Edmonton Oilers fired coach Todd McLean, and they will reportedly replace him with Ken Hitchcock. Ken Hitchcock. Now, longtime NHL fans know Hitchcock well. He's coached in the league for 22 years for four different teams, Dallas, Philly, Columbus, and St. Louis. In fact, he coached the Dallas Stars twice, winning a cup in 1999 during his first go-around in Dallas. Now, he went on to lead the Blues to the playoffs five times in six years, he won the Jack Adams Trophy as the league's top coach in the 2011-2012 season. So the Blues fired him in the middle of the year. <laughs> and he was, he was granted having a mediocre season, but the Blues still had a winning record at the time. And so they told uh, old Hitchcock to hit the road and elevated Mike Yao. I think that's how you pronounce his name. It's Y-E-O Yao, uh, who got shit-canned on Monday. So... Hitchcock wasn't unhitched very long. The Stars signed him for a second stint last year with a multi-year contract, but he stepped down at the end of the season saying, quote, I have contemplated this since our last game, and I have come to the conclusion that now is the right time to step away and let the younger generation of coaches take over. That is until the Edmonton job came open this year. (laughs) He will now step up and become the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, so... Uh, that'll be his what fifth team, sixth team in his illustrious coaching career. And it's kind of funny. They, you know, I think the difference is that NFL coaches you tend to get fired when you're really, really bad. Mm-hmm. NHL coaches tend to get fired when they're mediocre. Like Hitchcock's, his uh, his problem was he couldn't get the Blues over the hump to that Stanley Cup, and that's why they let him go. Um, I don't know, will he be able to? Get that Edmonton job. Now, I mentioned when we talked about the coaching carousel in the NFL that if you win a Stanley Cup, you're basically guaranteed a job in the NHL as long as you want. And that's certainly the case of uh, Ken Hitchcock. So we'll see how he does with the old underperforming Edmonton Oilers. 
You know, I, I think a, I think an interesting take on the coaching carousel in any sport, and we're definitely going to do coaching carousel segments in the off season because that's because it happens every year, right? right? Multiple times. That's that's why it's a carousel. Is that I'll never understand why teams hire and rehire some of these guys because can you think can you think of one off the top of your head where a coach coached say at least two other times as the head man anywhere else and then had his best tenure the third time. Can you think of any? Not off the top of my head. I mean, there may be some, but I can't. I'm I'm sure. I'm sure that there, I mean, there's always going to be exceptions to every rule. Why? But I, but I think way more often than not, probably at like a 95% or greater clip, if you're hiring a head coach who has been a head coach somewhere else and was removed from that position, not, not that he retired or had medical issues or just is taking more money, but that he was fired from that position and then hired again by you or someone else after. I would say that the, the chances that they have their best season as a coach from that point forward is practically zero. John Gruden. Oh, never mind. <laughs> well, John Gruden's a perfect example of, well, he won a Super Bowl. So goodness knows if he floats his name out there, there'll be teams that'll be interested. But that just goes to show how silly it is that, you know, my, what year was that that they that Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl with Gruden? Uh, I believe that was 2000 something. <laughs> 2000. I mean, we're over a decade. Oh, yeah. It was, 2000, at, it was 2001, 2002. Yeah. Somewhere so so re- so really going on two decades, closer to two than one, and the league has changed and changed and changed again. Why would you think that he would have his best coaching job now and not in 2007? But I digress. Speaking speaking of history, history is really cruel, Mike. Did you know that? It is, indeed. History is cruel. Now, a lot of hardcore football fans will remember Joe Theismann, the Redskins quarterback, and they'll remember what uh, what is referred to as a, a Joe Theismann injury. And for people who don't want to go watch the video, because I know you can find it all over the Internet, I won't watch it. I, I, I don't know about you. I, I can watch a lot of crazy things, but I cannot watch a footage of like an athlete or a football player. Um, having like a major knee, leg, ankle yeah, injury. I, it's That's, hard. Yeah, I can't watch that. So Alex Smith suffered the dreaded Joe Theismann injury where um, it was likened to a tornado is what happened to his lower leg in that it was twisting, but the rest of his body was not. Oh, that's breaking. not good. Yeah, that's that's not good. Breaking both his tibia and fibula. But the similarities don't stop there. Listen to all this. His injury happened 33 years to the day of Theismann's injury. Both of those games ended 23 to 21. Both of those injuries took place at the 40-yard line. Both quarterbacks ended their season with 301 pass attempts. And I have to actually add one to my notes, Mike, because I found this out right before the show. Both of them got injured on their third sack of the day. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to reconsider that opportunity to co- uh, quarterback the Washington Redskins. <laughs> well, I, you know what? If you get offered the job, I think you should take it. But from the moment that you reach your 301st pass attempt, you should retire. <laughs> retire, yeah. <laughs> retire, For that's sure. right. That's crazy. So, yeah, I know. That's that's so weird. I mean, I'm not like a really big uh, uh, sports curse or, you know, miracle type person. I'm not the type of guy that would you know, lace up his shoes the same way or wear his hat the same way, depending on the outcome of a game. I've never been one of those types. Right. But that is a lot of really eerie coincidences. Yes, indeed. So, Mike, we are recording this for people at home. We're recording this on a Tuesday. It's the 20th. We are two days away from Thanksgiving 2018. But... Here on Sports Ball, don't get me wrong, we could spend the entire program talking about all the fun stuff we're going to eat on Thursday. In fact, that that might be a bonus episode, is what did Mike and Alan eat until they went into cardiac arrest? Right. But this is a sports show, because it's Sports Ball, so we're going to talk about the Sports Ball Thanksgiving 2018. Mike, what are you thankful for in sports this year? Well, I'll be honest with you, I was thinking about this and... and uh... Decided to go with a little bit more of a, I guess, um, not so much as sports as a fan, but sports as having 
been involved in it as mm-hmm. a player. Um, sure. And, you know, for me, I am really, really thankful for the friendships that I have developed through my association with sports. Um, obviously, as a hockey player, you know, I, I played two seasons at the University of South Florida and am still friends with some of those guys that I played with there. And it was a weird dynamic because I was in, you know, I was in my late 30s, early 40s, those two years. And most of the guys were obviously 18, 19, 20. And, and yet, even with that difference, that whole locker room camaraderie is a real thing. And, and, I'm, and I'm close to them. And then there's some, some lifelong friends I made covering sports as a sports reporter in for sales, uh, Kentucky for the Woodford Sun. Uh, the first year that I worked there, the girls' soccer team won well they didn't win but they made it all the way to the state semifinals in in uh in the soccer world which mm-hmm. was a pretty big deal and uh i'm still connected with some of the girls that were on that team and then hey you know you and i we kind of bonded and, and have developed a friendship which started with uh obviously the whole libertarian garbage but i think has really blossomed over doing sports ball and and that's really what to me it's all about it's about relationships and and friendships and even though i generally don't like people i've uh, i've met some really cool people through through the world of sports and i'm very thankful for that that's very true i i agree 100% that you know one of, what what makes sports ball where that name comes from for people who have an iq of 60 and couldn't figure it out is actually we're making fun of the people who say oh did you catch did you catch that spectacle this past weekend oh it you're was... watching the sports ball game <laughs> yes that's exactly right and 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 you know what i actually feel sorry for those people because you know, sports is, is it's its own category, but it's a part of our culture. Right. And you're just, you're just refusing to acknowledge this huge swath of the popular culture around you because your, your 40 time is infinity. That's that, (laughs) that's, 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 that's just ridiculous. I mean, you don't have to have been a professional athlete. You don't even have to have played team sports ever to have gone outside in your backyard on a Thanksgiving and played some football with the right. family. And that been the highlight of the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, you know what? I'll tell you what I am thankful for. I'm thankful for the underdogs. I'm thankful for the upsets, you know, call it course. I've always been a big Boise state fan right. and it's hard to really even think of Boise state as the little underdog, right? Because they, they've won like 8,000 games over the last 10 years. So it, they're losing a little bit of their luster as it comes to the little engine that could, because every other mid major is thinking, Oh God, I hope we beat Boise state this year. Right. <laughs> but, but with that said, I, I love the underdogs. I, there's there's a, a really quick story I want to tell, and uh, you might remember this. And, and uh, there was a year in college basketball. It was uh, the only year that Derrick Rose played in college when he played for the Memphis Tigers. That was that was when your coach uh, Calipari was still in Memphis. Right. And they lost. The only time they made it to the national championship, they lost to Kansas. And it was a game where they were in command until the final minutes. Um, they were a team that struggled from the free throw line, and that haunted them in finality in the national championship game where because they could not sink their free throws, Kansas had a chance to tie, did so, went to overtime, and took the game over. And Memphis lost the game. And, of course, as many fine athletes are wont to do, more in basketball maybe than any sport, is all those freshmen bolt Calipari goes on to Kentucky, and that's all she wrote for the right. poor Memphis Tigers. But I, I'll never forget that there was all of these reports, and 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 damn these reporters for saying this. There were all these reports about how Derrick Rose was just inconsolable in the locker room after the game. He was just bawling his eyes out because they had come so close to winning and did not. And some people took that as a way to dig at Derrick Rose. They right. said, well, look, you know. What that he's not being man enough, right? Like it's just a game, bro. But it, my take is the opposite of that. My my take was it's a shame that these guys are so quick to leave school to jump to the NBA, because when when in your life, when in a professional game where they just cut checks and go home, will will you ever feel so much importance and emotion riding on the game that you'd be inconsolable after a loss? Very true. Very, very so, 
So I love the little schools. I love the underdogs. And I'm actually the one I brought up on my screen to remind me as we were talking was the old Dominion Monarchs, who, if you'll remember, back in week four of the season played then ranked number 13 Virginia Tech Hokies. That's right. And at the and at the time, Old Dominion was 0 and 3. And uh as of as of this as of this reading, they're four and seven with one game left. It's against Rice, so they might actually win that one because Rice is zero and seven in their conference, one eleven overall. So Old Dominion might notch their fifth win, but let's not get too carried away, shall we? Old Dominion goes into that game and they beat the Virginia Tech Hokies forty nine to thirty five, and that's absolutely a terrible loss for Virginia Tech. But let's face it. If Virginia Tech comes out next year, wins eight or nine games, goes to a ball game, no one will ever remember this game. But for Old Dominion, they will be talking about that for generations. You know, the one that comes to my mind is is one of my favorite sports moments in all of history, and that's the U.S. hockey team knocking off the Russians in the 1980 yes. Olympics. And uh, I actually – remember watching that game and at that time I was 12 I wasn't really or maybe 13 I wasn't really a hockey fan at that point um but but everybody watched that game and you know if you every anybody who is into sports that has not watched the movie Miracle shame on you because it's a fantastic fantastically done movie and you kind of see behind the scenes and a lot of people don't realize that the uh, you know just a few days before the Olympics uh, the Russians and American played an exhibition game at Madison Square Garden, and the Russians absolutely crushed the U.S. It was like ten to three or something ridiculous like that. Nobody thought that there was any chance that that the U.S. would win that game. And you know, I guess it's kind of you know you want to step back and look at the big picture. It's a reminder for us, even though it's played out on a on a sports field. It's a reminder that you know the little guy does have a chance uh, in in the world. And uh, sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Oh, yeah. Well, it's one of probably my favorite thing about sports. And it does. And it's not something you really get in the professional game, no matter how much you want to paint a, a underdog as an underdog in professional sports. They're still professional sports right. team. Right. So let's not get too carried away with the underdog status, but really more in, in collegiate athletics that. Your your underdog teams are all are way more often than not filled with guys that the moment they unlace the cleats from their last game, they're going to go get a job. Right. Because that's it. Yeah. And all they'll have left is the memories. But when they go in there and play, the fact that they even get to be on the field with guys that you know are going to play in the NFL one day, that's a story you're going to tell your grandkids right sure. there no matter what. And then to be able to say, and so for one day we beat them. I don't care if you lose the next matchup, you know, a hundred to nothing. It doesn't matter because you'll say, "Hey, remember that time we beat them?" Yep. And and that's that's what makes sports awesome. So speaking of uh, having to go get a job, what's the Libertarian <laughs> Party team of the week? The you know we've got the team of the week and we have an honorable mention. Oh, the Libertarian excellent. Party team of the week is the Louisville Cardinals. Oh yay! Louisville Cardinals, who just got done firing their head coach. Yes, indeed. And, you know, probably fair to say not the greatest of seasons. Yeah. Forced to punt on NC State's game opening possession and would manage a field goal out of their own to take a 3-0 lead at the 926 mark of the first quarter. This was followed, of course, by 30, <laughs> 45 unanswered points for NC State and an eventual 52-10 to Wolfpack win. Yeah. So Louisville Cardinals— right. You are Libertarian Party Team of the Week, but quick honorable mention, last week's team, the Colorado Buffaloes, who after one quarter were leading 8th-ranked Washington State 7-0, who would go on to lose 31-7. This week, after one, were leading 7-0 over 19th-ranked Utah. They would go on to lose 30-7. <laughs> well, n nothing if not consistent, right? If they could just have a couple more quarters like that and then put them all on the same day, they could beat Alabama. Right. Absolutely. Bring on the tide. There you go. <laughs> Love it. That's like me saying if we could just get all the people who don't vote to vote and if we could just get all the people that don't like the bad candidate to vote for our third choice. And they don't. Yeah, they don't. Not ever. Not ever. So, Mike, give me a puck to the head. Well, this week we're going to go to the National Basketball Association for our puck to the head. Washington Wizards guard John Wall 
of University of Kentucky fame, uh-huh. reportedly F-bombed his coach the other day. <laughs> According to the ESPN story, Wall unloaded a, quote, verbal barrage after Coach 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 Coach? After Coach Scott Brooks and teammate Jeff Green pushed Wall and other players to raise the intensity level in practice, Wall reportedly fired back an F.U. directed toward his coach. Now, I'm not quite sure how saying F.U. constitutes a verbal barrage, but whatevs, that's how ESPN reported it. So anyway, you might think that Wall gets a puck to the head. No, I'm firing this puck at Coach Brooks for fining Wall. I mean, come on, I get it. You should respect your boss, right? But this is the NBA. It's professional basketball. You know those guys are F-bombing all over the place, and I'll bet dollars to donuts Brooks cusses his team on a regular basis. Heat of the moment, man up, deal with it, Brooks. You get a puck to the head for having thin skin. So what you're telling me that his goal was to raise the intensity level, and at the moment at which it was raised, he fined his player for being too intense. Yes. I am sure that that team has a long and joyous season ahead of it. Yeah, it's it's, I don't think things are going well there in in Washington. (laughs) While while we're remembering Washington, let's think of In Memoriam, of course, brought to you by the Auburn Tigers. We're going to have to have a new one of those next year, you know. But for for this year, In Memoriam, brought to you by the Auburn Tigers. Mike, who are you remembering this week? Well, I'm remembering the Washington Redskins, whose NFC East aspirations broke along with quarterback Alex Smith's leg on Sunday. Uh, Actually, that that kind of pains me, and I kind of feel bad about even bringing it up. But I don't see the Redskins winning the East without their star quarterback. And uh, you know they went ahead and lost to the uh, vaunted Houston, Texas, twenty-three to twenty-one. So not off to a good start. And so we're going to go ahead and put the Washington Indigenous Peoples. Uh, on the in memoriam <laughs> list and uh, expect a miracle not to happen. It's ironic that that's your choice because this week for in memoriam, I'm, re- I'm remembering the NFC East opposition to America's team, but <laughs> with the twist. So with the Eagles fresh off of a absolutely just, it, is it okay for us to say ass blasting on sports ball? Well, you just said it, so I guess it Okay, is. so the Eagles just got ass-blasted by the New Orleans Saints this past weekend. <laughs> yes, they did. And that was following a loss to the Cowboys, to division rival Cowboys, the week before. And and let's face it, unless the Giants can actually complete the 9-0 and finish to their season, the Giants have long since been out of contention. That only leads us with the Cowboys and Redskins. But with the Redskins uh, no longer possessing a franchise quarterback, I think I did see that they just signed Mark Sanchez to come in and be the backup. So I'm sure things will go great for them the rest of the year. But in case they don't, it looks like the Cowboys are primed for a playoff run. However, with a twist, unfortunately for Cowboys fans, this means you're primed for a playoff run, which (laughs) also means your hopes of getting a better coach may be dashed. Everyone is ready for Mr. Claps himself, Jason Garrett, to be shown the door. And Jerry Jones has been very slow on pulling the trigger because Garrett is a favorite of Jones. But frankly, Garrett has wasted multiple years of many high-level athletes' prime talent of the Cowboys organization with uh, lackluster coaching and decision-making and just overall poor leadership. But if the Cowboys, based on no actions of their own, mind you, only based on the incompetence of their divisional foes, somehow back their way into the playoffs, we may unfortunately get yet another year of Jason Garrett. That may be the saddest in memoriam that we've ever had on Spotify. That is a sad in memoriam, isn't it? This might be the first, this might be the only time you'll ever hear me feature one of my teams and they're making the playoffs and therefore it's in memoriam. Yes. <laughs> but, it's kind of like me picking the, the, the favorite to have the upset. I'm you know what I was actually going to save this until the off season but I just want to share a really quick anecdote with our friends at home. So Clay and maybe Dennis 
Mike Meharry is so negative about his own teams when they're playing the game that even even when he's a Gators fan and even when UT already has 27 turnovers in the first quarter and even when the score is already 806 to nothing, Mike Meharry texts me after, I don't know, the Gators get stopped on one third down and UT gets a 15-yard punt return. Mike Meharry texts me and says, oh, this is where UT comes back. That is the level of pessimism. That's, and if, that might actually just be your uh, experience with the Meharry curse. I think, I think that has a lot to do with it. But now that I'm a New Orleans Saints fan, I'm looking forward to weeks of football pleasure. You know, if you realize if the Saints lose this week, then we'll know that the Mary Curse is 100% we will. real. We'll know that for sure. <laughs> All right. So it is time to move on to the Week 13 Pick'em. We're going to start off with college football. It's the NCAA Rivalry Week edition. We're going to fly through these really fast, Mike. Yep. Are you ready? I'm ready. Your number 11 UCF Golden Knights versus also your South Florida Bulls. I just had – you know I had to put it on here. I know you, know you I did, did. And, and, uh, right. and, and I support this. And I'm just going to tell you right now that UCF is going to roll over my <laughs> beloved Bulls 55 to 17. Oh, South Florida has no defense. So you're going to put the Knights on the field with no defense. It may be it may be a bigger score than that. You know what? I, I also pick UCF to win, but I actually think it's only going to be a two possession game. I think it's going to be a heated game with lots of physicality and emotion because they are rivals. I actually think it'll be 38, 28 UCF. Well, I would take that as a win. Oh, well, <laughs> we'll call the NCAA and see if that's a win. Next, <laughs> well, we if have... UCF can have a national championship without playing in the national championship game, then South Florida can win without winning. Yeah, South Florida can just hang an AAC champion banner after this weekend. Number six, Oklahoma at number nine, West Virginia. Probably the game with the, well, it's probably the game with the second highest uh, playoff implications for the end of the season. What do you have? I say whoever has the ball last. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go West Virginia 51-49. Wow. So that's a really high-scoring game, Yep, 100 points. I, I think it'll be high-scoring, but I mean high-scoring like what we would have considered high-scoring in 2015, right. not what we consider high-scoring in 2018. <laughs> Old-school high-scoring. So I I do I think Oklahoma is overrated. I think that that chart we looked at earlier actually demonstrates that Oklahoma has played very few worthwhile teams and, and even then has had some squeakers. I think West Virginia wins 41-31. Number 18, Washington at number eight, Washington State. So I think I think Washington may have been mine or both of ours trendy picks for the playoffs at the beginning of the year. But they they started the season with a tough loss to an Auburn team that went on to be not exactly an SEC favorite and and have had some bumps in the road since then versus the mighty the mighty coach Leach Pirates of Washington State. Who do you have? I like Washington State in this one. I've not been impressed with Washington. 32, 21. I, do, I, I agree that it'll probably be at least a close-ish game, but I think it'll be 34-24 Cougars. And finally, number four, Michigan at number 10, Ohio State. Harbaugh finally gets his win over the Buckeyes, 35-28. Uh, similar score, I'm going to say 31-21 Michigan. Michigan. There you Michigan. go, Dennis. Yep, there you go. And you know what? We haven't steered him wrong yet, have we? I don't think we have. Yeah. I don't this think would, he's actually listened to the show yet, though. But this would be a terrible one for us to get the first one <laughs> yes, wrong. Yes, it really would. <laughs> yes, it would. All right, we're moving on to the NFL. It's the Thanksgiving edition. We're only picking Thanksgiving games this week because at this point they play half the schedule on Thanksgiving. Right. Chicago Bears, the Mighty Bears, who were one of our picks last week, who won their game and now lead the North at the Detroit Lions. Who do you have? I'm going Bears 24-17. Duh, Bears. I had 27-17 Dub Bears, and I'm gonna say, I'm actually gonna screenshot my notes. I actually wrote Dub Bears, so <laughs> nice. don't at me. Washington Indigenous Persons at Dallas Cowboys. We're gonna find out literally 48 hours after recording this show if we were right about the fall of the Indigenous Persons and the and the accidental rise of America's team. Who do you have? I'm going with uh, Dallas, 24 to 10. 20 to 12. I'm, I'm actually only going to pick it to be a one possession game because Dallas will try everything they can do to lose and Washington will say no. <laughs> Finally, 
Atlanta, the Atlanta Falcons versus the New Orleans Meharry Curses. Who do you have? Well, I don't think the Meharry Curse is going to take hold quite yet. I'm going with the Saints, uh, as as is typical in a Saints game, and as was typical, or as was the, the reality in the last time these two hooked up. A pretty high scoring game. I'm going to go with Saints forty two thirty. I'm actually going to say 41-14 Saints, but I will I will say that with a caveat. This will not be in my sunken cost this week because the Falcons and the Saints tend to have really competitive games. And and though we feel like the Saints should be way better, this just feels like one of those games where it's it's tight going into the fourth and you're thinking, "Wait a minute, is this the same Saints team we just saw the last 6 weeks?" Yeah. Finally, Mike, what's your upset special? Well, I'm going to go out on a on a pretty big limb with this one. I like it. But I still think that there's going to have to be some kind of turmoil at the top of this whole playoff. And the team that I think is most likely to create that turmoil, the team that I think is the most overrated of all of these uh, teams that are in the top four right now is Notre Dame. So I'm going to go out on a limb because there's really no reason to believe that this is going to happen because USC is not a very good football team, but I think they're going to, they're going to do the upset special and knock off Notre Dame 22 to 21. So, so let's, let's recap real quick. So you're telling me that your upset special is 22, 21 USC over, over Notre Dame. And you're basing that on nothing. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> which, which should probably work just as well as any of the upset specials that I picked based on some rationale. This is true. I, I mean, like this it. is college football. It's a rivalry. And I, you know, let me be honest. Part of it's just a wishful thinking pick. Yeah. Well, you know what? If, if me wishing it will make it. So I'm with you a hundred percent. I want to see them lose. So I want to see them lose just because if they take one of those four spots from a more deserving team, that just means we're going to see, College football playoff semifinal, Alabama 72, Notre Dame 10. Right. I mean, what's the point? And then again, that might be fun. Actually, you know what? That does kind of sound fun. Yeah. Anyway, finally, wrapping up the picks with the pillow fight. Wait a the minute. Fight do, you, do you have an upset special? No, I don't have an upset oh, special. Okay. I, actually, I do, but it's cheap. I'm, 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 I'm pulling a Meharry this week. Oh, so all right. Here we go. <laughs> Here we I'm go. Pick, I'm picking the team that is ranked lowest, but most people have them as the favorite in this contest. Yeah, I'm throwing the flag. So, so I'm picking number <laughs> 25 Boise State to beat number 23 Utah State. That has big time uh, Mountain West implications. Utah State is 10 and 1. They've had the best year Utah State I think has ever had, much less recently, literally ever. But Boise State only has one conference loss, and there's no one even close to them, and they're in the same division of the Mountain West as Utah State. If Utah State loses their last game of the year to Boise State, uh-oh, they do not go to the Mountain West Championship, the Aww. Broncos do. Yeah. That would that would be kind of depressing for you for Utah State, but, I mean, how often do we see when, when everything shakes out, the favorites tend to rise to the top? So I think Boise State takes care of business and goes to the Mountain West Championship. All right. Fair enough. I still throw, right. I still throw the flag. Okay. Well, you it we're we're sending it to New York for the review. All right. So they'll get back to us yeah. in like two weeks. Right, exactly. So it is time for the pillow fight, the weekly game where we we can't help but watch because it's really like a car accident. And this is a particularly good pillow fight because this is a pillow fight between two professional sports teams. And frankly, professional teams shouldn't be having a pillow fight, but here we are. The three and seven Jacksonville Jaguars travel to face the three and seven Buffalo bills. Now we've spent almost half of this program talking about the wild offensive production in the NFL this year. We just got done watching the Monday night game with the Rams and chiefs, which set Monday night football records over a thousand yards of offense over a hundred points scored. And yet in that climate, we are finally seeing a game of the 32nd ranked out of 32 teams <laughs> scoring offense bills and the 29 ranked Jacksonville Jaguars. So who do you have in this game of actually decent defenses, but just awful offenses? I think it's going to be a tie. <laughs> oh God, that would be great. <laughs> it that's would, it that's would what be I'm going. I'm going tie. 
it would be appropriate. I'm saying 17-9 Jags just because even though they're on like a seven-game losing streak, if you if you look at paper and you look at I granted you shouldn't be looking at last season, but if you do, I, I just don't see how the Bills could win, which means the Bills will win. Right. Well, you yeah. know the the Bills beat the Minnesota Vikings, which I like to bring up every week on Sports Ball. Yes, they did. Well, so we're gonna <laughs> in the remember in the future it's gonna be a pillow fight brought to you by the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> All right, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So you ready for a lightning round? Oh, I'm ready for a lightning. All right, round. here we go. Lightning round. Question number one. Best yes. NFL conference, AFC or NFC? Uh, NFC. I'd agree. NFC, it's, it has been the AFC most of the last, I would say, 12 to 15 years because uh, quarterbacks like Roethlisberger, uh, Brady, and Manning have all been playing in the AFC. Even, even when playing for different teams like Manning, he stayed in the AFC. Uh, and even with the emergence of guys like Rodgers, uh, those the AFC was still far and away the best. However, Breeze, even though he's an old fella nowadays, he was there all along. He just didn't have a lot of help. But between the Rams and the Saints, uh, and of course Dallas. I mean, how could you forget? Oh, yeah, you can't forget Dallas. <laughs> you can't I mean... forget Dallas. Uh, I th- I think you're I think you're going to see the next three to five years be the opposite. I think the NFC's taking over. Number two. We have college football rivalry weekend, one of my favorite weekends in sports. Love the rivalry games. Which yes. rivalry game is most likely to produce a big upset? What rivalry game from this week is most likely to produce a big upset? Um, of If you look at the games that we picked, uh, you know – Ohio State could beat Michigan. I think both of those teams have shown weakness, but I, I, I don't know if I'd really call it a huge upset because they're both technically right. top 10 ranked teams. Right. Um, same thing for Oklahoma and West Virginia. I mean, technically West Virginia is lower ranked, but I think they're going to win, and I don't even think that's considered a huge upset. Um, God, that's a tough one. I'll I tell you what. What would be – I think Auburn won't get blown out by Alabama. I wouldn't go so far as to say that they're going to win, but I think that they match up better against an Alabama than they have against some other teams that they've lost to this year. I think the game will be more like Auburn and LSU's game, and granted LSU won that game, but it was a very close, low-scoring affair. Um, Alabama, I'll tell you what, Tua has had a janky knee for a few weeks now. Yes, he has. They are they are one Joe Theismann twister away from being in a dogfight with a team like Auburn. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So there you go. That's my answer. I'll tell you the one that makes me nervous, and this is what? this is the Mahari negativity coming out. But I, I'm nervous about the Florida Florida State game. Oh, Florida State pulled off a big win against Boston College last week, and and Florida, I don't know, they're just kind of shaky rivalry game. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> I, I think Florida. I still think they'll win, but it makes me nervous. Yeah. All right, number three, best college basketball team that isn't Duke. Best college basketball team that isn't Duke. I'll give you two. I will say that the best team other than Duke at the top of the polls is Kansas. Now, Duke jumped Kansas in the polls. We're still very early in the year. And right. to be fair, Kansas has, hasn't done anything to deserve dropping. It's that Duke did a lot to jump. Yeah, it's it, that's that's why I couldn't tell you for certain who would win on a neutral court if those two teams played today. C- considering Kansas started the season ranked number one, I, I, I don't really even know how I feel about them dropping to number two. Um, and, and in fact, they beat a very good Michigan State team who started the season in the top 10 and who has easily won all their contests outside of Kansas. So, again, Kansas has done nothing wrong. It's what Duke has done right. right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an honorable mention. How about the 5-0 and Furman Paladins who are Ooh. currently first in the Southern Conference? How is this for a team? You want to talk about teams who have done a lot in a few weeks. How is this for a team that has two wins over final four teams from a year ago? 
how is this for a team that has a two has a two point win over Loyola Chicago, which may not sound like a lot, but remember that was a Final Four team. I do remember that? And then went into Villanova and won 76-68 in overtime, and that was on the heels of a forty point thumping of a smaller regional rival, where one of their players tied an NCAA record for threes. 5-0 and Furman, it is a travesty they were not ranked this week. If you have two wins over Final Four teams from a year ago, one of them and one of those wins being a top-10 team this year, how is Furman not ranked? I, we need an inquiry. That was the longest lightning round answer in the history of <laughs> lightning rounds. But solid. Hey, I like remember it. what I said about the underdogs. I'm pounding the table for Furman. If the season ended today, Furman should be like a three seed. For sure. I'm, I'm with you. All right. All right. Well, that wraps up the lightning round. Do you have any final thoughts? One final thought. You actually had a little bit of talk about NBA. I'm going to hit. I'm going to. I'm going to close with a little NBA. Look at us going. Look at us going hoops, man. I, I know. Well, you know, it's it. Before you know it, we're going to be that time of year where there's going to be nothing else. That's true. Well, there's so, still be hockey. There'll no, be hockey cares. until June. Yeah, that's right. So, final thought. Really, it's hard to be a dynasty in any sport. I right. think we, we, we get spoiled sometimes when a dynasty comes along. Well, if you're their fan, if you're not their fan, you just roll your eyes and yeah. move on with your life. But it's hard to be a dynasty in any sport. I mean, sticking to NBA, remember – I mean, gosh, it's probably been about a decade now. But remember when they had the triplets in uh, in Boston, when they had um, oh um, Garnett and, uh, and uh, Ray Allen, and I, now I forget who all was there. Uh, but anyway, they won one NBA title, and I mean they were a dominant team. And one NBA title is all they got out of it, partly because the the free agents they put together were already people in the twilight of their career. That's one big part of it. And part of it is it's hard to win championships. Right. Uh, Golden State did everything right. I mean this is a team that built from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of their talent comes from their own draft. And they had a young and powerful team. And 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 I and I say they did and were as if this is the past tense, as right. if they're just the worst. They're not the worst team in the NBA by any stretch. But Golden State has lost four of their last five. The, they're, they're dealing with some drama with Draymond Green and Kevin Durant getting into shouting matches on the sidelines. Have they – have they – Cuss, anybody cuss the coach? That's <laughs> I, no, but I don't think Steve Kerr shoved anybody. Okay, so we'll have to we'll have to stay on that. Right, and and what gets a lot of dynastic teams, and that's the injury bug. Yep. the aforementioned Gray's got a toe. Stephen Curry's been at best at half strength with a groin. Alfonso McKinney with a foot, and their big uh, free agent acquiring this year, Demarcus Cousin, has yet to play a game because he hasn't come off the bench from an Achilles. That is exactly the kind of stuff that makes dynasties just all of a sudden go away. Yep, true story. So, you got anything else? Just want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Do you really, though? I really do. I'm I'm feeling benevolent and generous today. I, I like it. I see you. I, I like how you save the grumpy Meharry for the midweek for me. But then when when sports ball comes around, everybody's really in good spirit. Well, let's be honest. Sports ball is the highlight of the week, right? It is. It, it, that is very true. Well, I, I will. I will join you begrudgingly in wishing everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Hey, or uh, it, we're good libertarians here. If you don't want to have a happy Thanksgiving, don't. Yeah. Just don't force other people to have or not have anything. Exactly. <laughs> or if, if, if it's me and I don't want to have one, don't force me to have one. Exactly. That's right. So thank you so much for listening to Sports Ball. We are a proud product of Little L Productions. You can find us on social media at facebook.com slash sportsballpodcast and on our website where you can get uh, up-to-date news on Mike Meharry's article. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, past episodes of Sports Ball and my Alan Mosley's uh, Masunken Cost uh, Money Pit, where I pick not 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 these silly episode games, but the games where I really think Vegas has made a mistake. You can get that usually by Thursday evenings every single week. And, and incidentally, if you followed through on last week's Money Pit picks, you'd be up two more shirts. We we rebounded. We, we rebounded, we did. didn't we, Mike? We rebounded strong. 
I, I I will be the first to admit that I was living pretty high on something like a nine game win streak, and I was telling everyone, look, go go get a second mortgage, put it on this week's games. If you had done that two weeks ago, you would have lost your house. But if you had done that this weekend, you would have got your house back. Exactly. So there you go. You can get that at sportsballpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Oh, and don't forget to check out the other little L podcasts. No, go ahead and forget about that. All right, never mind. <laughs> no, you you could check out God Archie with Mike Meharry, which I think has tripled its episodes at this yes, point, if not quadrupled. No, we're at episode three. Yes. Yeah, that that is that is significant uh, production on your part. Yes, I'm, I'm impressed because you do so many other things. I do. Yeah. As well as the Sherry Voluntary Show, which is hosted by our friend Sherry Voluntary, which I know that can sound confusing at first that it's the Sherry Voluntary Show featuring Sherry Voluntary. But that is, in fact, what the tagline is. Yes, indeed. just in case you're wondering. And Postcards with Somalia that Sherry and I do together. And finally, the gold standard with Alan Mosley, who is me. That is uh, generally a grumpier show than this one. But we have an amazing guest this week. Jim Bovard's going to be with us tomorrow. Awesome. And I had to fill in <clears throat> had to fill in at the last minute on in a recent episode for Jim Bovard because he was dealing with some nasty cold cold illness kind of stuff. So I yeah. got in there and it was not grumpy, or was it? No, we weren't grumpy, were we? I don't even remember. We, I did the grumpy. I, did you did you actually watch the episode? I watched the beginning until I came on. Oh, you did? Because yeah. I, I we got the grumpiness out before you got yeah, there. I, I didn't want to subject you to it. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. You're welcome. Yeah. It's well, nice. there you go. There you go. <laughs> this episode's gotten way too cheerful. Can you even imagine what the Christmas episode's going to be like? Ooh. Can Good you times. even imagine? No. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Peace out. You have been listening to Sports Ball with Mike Meharry and Alan Mosley. You can follow us on Facebook and leave comments, suggestions. Just go to at Sports Ball Podcast. That's at Sports Ball Podcast on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.